Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Welcome, everyone, to episode 208 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we need to talk about some of the Bucks' big moves they made over the past few days and some big takeaways from the Sloan Conference. Before we get into all of that, a reminder that you can find us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our Twitter handle, you can find, or in our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, Brian, I'm still kind of tired from Friday's uh, Bulls-Hawks game. <laughs> Reasonable. Reasonable. Did you stay up and watch I, the whole thing? I did. Oh, my I God. did. It was, it was fantastic. So it was... I, I think I ended up going to bed at 6 a.m. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That is dedication to two mediocre teams. I'm impressed. Oh, that was a fun game, though. Yeah. That was amazing. I'm so sad you didn't watch it because it was even well played before it went into overtime. Mm-hmm. Like, if it had ended in regulation, I would still have felt that, oh, I got my, my time's worth of staying up because okay. it was well played. Yeah. And then Trey just went crazy. And, I mean, look, I, I would kill to have been in that game physically. Uh, I'm just happy that we got in our Trey and Lori praise before that game. Yes. So now, in retrospect, we look smart for saying that. Thank you. And we should probably have praised Zach Levine as well if we wanted to look extra smart. Right. Yeah. Thank you to thank you to the Bulls and the Hawks for helping us out, making us right one out of every hundred times. Yeah, that's a that's a fair ratio. Yeah, I think I'll so. take that. Yeah. yeah. So let's see if we're right on the the Bucks' big moves that they made over the past couple days. Let's start with the Eric Bledsoe extension because that was, I'd say it was a pretty big surprise because it just came out of nowhere. Like we didn't hear mm-hmm. any rumblings about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's four years, $70 million extension. We have yet to see the details, at least as far as I know, as to whether it's a flat rate the whole time or if it's going to go up on the standard like 8% raises. If they front loaded it, we don't know. So that influences some of how you interpret this deal like it right you know if it was front loaded or back loaded or whatever like that could make it worse or better but just in general what did you think of the price point they got here well that was fair i mean 17 and a half million a year for eric bledsoe that that, that beats what we were kind of talking about in, in previous months like mm-hmm. we were thinking some team out there would 
you know, break the bank for him and pay him $25 million a year. Yeah. I still think that could have happened, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, if, if that were to happen, Mary, Eric Bledsoe is like, oh, damn, right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I mean, overall, it's, it's, a, it's a perfectly fine deal from a monetary standpoint. Yeah. What concerns me is his age. Okay. And the length of the contract, like full four years, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think he'll be a buck by the end of it. Mm. And that's why when it broke, I, I tweeted at you and went, is your Blake Griffin spider sense tingling? Right. right. Because I think they could be signing him in order to move him at a later point. But maybe not immediately, like Blake, yeah. where you only re-sign him and then hang on to him for half a year. Like maybe they'll hang on to him for you know, a year, year and a half, maybe even two years. And then as soon as he shows, like, any sign of decline, they move him immediately. Right. Yeah, that's why I'm wondering if they front-loaded it, because that would make it more appealing down the line if he's... Correct. If, you know, if you're the Bucks and you pay out the biggest chunk of it, and then he's making, like, you know, $16 million or like even $15 million in the final year of his deal, that's more intriguing. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, for, for them as well, not just right. uh, like in in a trade aspect, but like for them as well. If he's still somewhat effective at that age, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, because like they have, I mean, we talked about it a lot earlier this year. They have just a bunch of important free agents this summer, and this takes one decision off the table. Like they still have to worry about Chris Middleton. They still have to worry about Nico Miritich. They have to worry about Brooke Lopez. I, right. I'm all but assuming this means George Hill is not going to get picked up, but I don't think that was ever going to happen anyway. I mean, he has mm-hmm. $1 million guaranteed, but $18 million non-guaranteed, or $17 million of his $18 million deal is not guaranteed. So he's probably gone. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, to your point, Giannis is coming up for a new contract soon, so front-loading it will help you avoid potentially at least help you avoid luxury tax concerns once Giannis's deal kicks in assigning assuming he does stay with the bucks and yeah to your point about the Blake thing it's I don't think they trade anyone I think they do everything they can to retain this core assuming they go Eastern Conference Finals or beyond this season at least until Giannis puts his name on a new contract because I think it would send such a bad message if you trade Eric Bledsoe at the trade deadline next year, right before Giannis is coming up for that, what right before he becomes eligible for the extension. Well, that would be depend on the deal, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I agree. Like you're probably not going to get full value for for Bledsoe because of his age. Mm-hmm. Like you probably won't win a trade and get significantly better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless the Lakers are really that desperate. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the Lakers later on. Right, right. But, I mean, it, it is a fair point that they could get something of value. It, it's just, again, it really comes down to how far they go in the playoffs this year and then what their yeah. trajectory is next year. And if they, you know, right now they look like the best team in basketball outside of the Golden State Warriors. So kudos to them for doing everything they can to retain a key part of that. I mean, Eric, like Bledsoe's stats don't jump off the screen this year, but it's also because he's playing fewer than 30 minutes a game. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you have to consider on a per minute basis, he's right in line pretty much with his career averages. He's still, right. I mean, he's, he's a critical player for, for them on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I, I was looking at the cap hits for point guards next year. 
again, we don't know where his exactly falls in line, but he's probably not going to be one of the top 10 paid point guards next year. No, no. I mean, no matter what, like, cause Goran Dragic is at 19.2 million. Jeff Teague's at 19 million flat. Assuming both of those guys pick up their options. Reggie Jackson's at 18.1. Like, Brandon Knight's at 15.6, and if they did structure Bledsoe's contract as with standard 8% raises, he would be earning less next year than Brandon Knight. Right, but if they front-loaded it, he probably would. Yeah. But that's a different... Like, the overall value of the deal is what you're basically saying. Like, right. you got him for cheap. They got him for cheap. Yeah, yeah. like, I mean, Mike Conley's making almost twice as much money on a one-year longer right. deal. I mean, I love Mike Conley... But I would much rather have Eric Bledsoe at four seventy than Conley at what at, he's like five one fifty something like that. Yeah, uh, five was it one hundred forty five million? Uh, it, it looks like one fifty two point six. Oh, was it that much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, John Wall is you know that's an unfair oh, cautionary yeah, let's, let's tale, not, yeah, but right. but you know it's still four years one seventy for him versus four years seventy for Bledsoe. It. Con, yeah, you know, just a hundred a million more, right? Or even Kyle Lowry's at like <laughs> he was three years a hundred. I mean, mm. like you have to consider. Yes, those guys at their peak, especially you know, while assuming he's healthy and back to his previous self, those guys are better than Eric Bledsoe. But are they that much better than Eric Bledsoe? Like to cover the gap in earnings? I don't know. I, I it does feel like no. a good value to me here. It it is, and the reason I actually, you know, went with the the Blake theory mm-hmm. was the length of the contract. Like yeah. value wise, it's fine. I'm just yeah. I was kind of concerned looking at that four year number. Mm-hmm. And, but again, yeah, go ahead. Well, I I was just gonna say. I mean, like I think you made the point earlier that some team easily could have come out and paid him more, and I think that's true. Right. I mean, a lot of teams shuffled at the trade deadline and some teams kind of signaled that they're not going to use cap space this summer like the bulls basically took on auto porter and said we're not going to you know we know we're not big free agent suitors and the sacramento kings take on harrison barnes we know we're not big free agent suitors the kings don't need a point guard anyway the bulls depending on how you feel about chris dunn do so maybe they do yeah so they i mean they still could have maybe swooped in and tried to do something uh the magic are probably off the market because of Markel Fultz, but Phoenix, who knows how they feel about Tyler Johnson as their long-term solution. They could have come in. The Knicks, mm-hmm. if they struck out on Kyrie, if this KD-Kyrie thing doesn't actually happen and they, they wanted a veteran to kind of mentor Dennis Smith Jr., or they just aren't... I mean, they're cutting his minutes back already because they're putting Manuel Moutier back in the rotation, so if they're not sold on him as the long-term <laughs> option. The Lakers, again, if you make a... If the Lakers had made a trade to get Lonzo Ball out and bring a second star in, they could have messed around and thrown eighty, ninety, a hundred million dollars at Eric Bledsoe, especially because he's, he's a clutch. A clutch. Yeah. yeah, he's a clutch guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. So LeBron's going to take care of his fam. So I mean, I, I get the you know I did see some of the like who are they bidding a guard against argument, and the point is we don't know because they did it in March instead of July. But it all it right. only takes one team. And we've been saying for months now that there is a greater supply of teams with cap space than there is teams or than there are top tier free agents. So it was always right. that once like the Clay 
KD, Kawhi, Kemba, Jimmy. Once those guys dried up, it was always the second tier that's going to get overpaid. Eric Bledsoe is very much in that mix. Yeah. And and through that spectrum, obviously, Milwaukee, you know, made a solid decision hanging on to him. And, like you said, as long as they structured the deal correctly, he should be easily movable, especially if, like, it's it's front-loaded. There are just so many aspects of it that, that are, are intriguing depending on how they structure the deal. Like, you can structure deals in a, in many ways. Right. You can front-load it, back-load You can even do this little whoop-de-doo where it actually goes down in value in the middle of the contract yeah. and go back up. You, yeah. you can do a ton of it. So it, it's going to be interesting. And by the way, you, to going back to like Bledsoe as the player, <clears throat> you did say that you know the numbers doesn't really jump off the page. Mm-hmm. I think they do. I just think we as you know NBA... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still a little bit sick. As an NBA analyst, have a tendency to go straight to the three-point field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. I think this is what we've kind of become accustomed to when we evaluate players. Like one of the most you know, quintessential things we're going after is the three-point shooting. And Bledsoe is shooting 31.7%. And it's like, huh, huh. But if you just look one row to the right, yeah. you'll notice that he's, <laughs> he's a point guard. Yeah. And he's shooting almost 61% from two. Yeah. Like from two generally. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. For, for for a guy a guy like that, and it's because he has so many open driving lanes due to Yadis and the space out offense. Like he's efficient. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's, he's new career high and effective field goal percentage of fifty five point five this year. It's it's more like the, the per game stats aren't what they were in years past. He's only averaging sixteen points, you know, five and a half assists, almost five rebounds. But again, it's he's playing only twenty nine point two minutes a game. It's just he's not playing mm-hmm. 38 minutes so he's not putting up 20 plus points a game but he's he's still a critical piece of what's made the bucks tick this year i mean you could also you know he's 2.8 free throw attempts it's not ideal not what you want from a point guard typically but you also not every team has a Giannis. like but yeah but the, the thing about that though that's by design right i have a tendency i have a tendency to believe that that a lot of good teams hide their players skill levels in the regular season and then unleash it in the, in the postseason. Mm. Because if you look at the career of Bledsoe, like he's had multiple years of him getting to the line five-plus times, right? including his his last year in Phoenix, or well, the year before he got traded, where he only played three games in the last year there. But the last year he played a full season, like he was averaging almost seven free throw attempts mm-hmm. per game and hitting it at an 85% clip. Like he, It's not because he's not capable, it's just the scheme. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if teams started to clam down on Giannis, mm-hmm. that Bud threw the ball into Bledsoe and go, hey, you know, activate your Phoenix powers <laughs> from back in the day and, you know, go crazy. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely good. We saw it with Chris Middleton against the Celtics in the first round last year. It, you know, Giannis, they focused so intently on Giannis, and then Chris Middleton just went supernova. And I think the same yeah. thing is going to happen this year in the playoffs. Teams are going to really try to clamp down on Giannis. And then Middleton, Bledsoe, and all their complimentary cast are going to have to step up. And I think, I mean, I think they can. Like, Bledsoe, to your point, he, he's taking almost the highest amount of field goal attempts close to the basket that he ever, ever has before. Right. His number of attempts from 16 to three-point range, career low 4.1%. So he's cutting out a lot of the junky shots that he had before. He's taking a career high 39.6% from three. Yes, he's not shooting them particularly well, 
but at least he's shooting the right shots. The process is right, yep. as it were. Uh, just, you know, you, you'd like to see some improvement on the results. But if teams know, I mean, teams cover bad three-point shooters if they know they're going to fire away from deep. He's taking almost five threes a game. He still has gravity, even though he's not a great three-point shooter. Agreed. Agreed. And that's just one of the big things. Like, we've talked about this before. If you're just a willing shooter, mm-hmm. that just draws players in. Right. Which is, so for some players, it's kind of illogical. Like, for Rashawn Rondo, you would still leave that shot open. <laughs> right. Right. But but for, for streaky shooters who have a tendency to at least hit in the in the mid-30s like Bledsoe's done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will have to adjust your defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's stay with the Bucks more because we also have to talk about Pau Gasol, who reached a yep. buyout with the Spurs on Friday, and it was announced that he will be joined. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen, and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them? to make their customers feel better. It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management, and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings, and I've got a feeling we're all gonna like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Joining the Bucks once he clears waivers. I know you have made some jokes about Pow in the past, <laughs> about Pow not necessarily being the most fleet of foot in his waning years, but do you think he's going to make much, if any, difference for the Bucks in the playoffs? I'm just, I'm just surprised that him being on the court, he doesn't vanish like Thanos when he snapped his fingers <laughs> like dust. No, look, Pau is, is a great locker room presence. Yeah. And he's a great dude. From everything I've heard and from everything everyone's heard, mm-hmm. Pau is just a fantastic human being. And obviously, if that was the mindset going into the signing, like that's that's fair. That's all fine and well. He just doesn't have a lot left. Mm-hmm. He's old. He's slow. He's a horrible defender. Yes, he can pass. Yes, he can shoot. And he can play in the post offensively. But I'm looking at this, this Milwaukee team that loves to run. Loves to have a lot of kickouts and needs to get back in transition, you know, defensively. And Powell doesn't really fit that MO, I think. Mm-hmm. I would probably rather give those minutes to Christian Wood, at least in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But I understand if this was like a chemistry issue thing, or issue, but a chemistry thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. It's fine. Like, if it's a bonus for the locker room and it helps, like, motivate a lot of players, fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it does come down to how they plan to use him, ultimately. And right. if they see him as this like permanent backup five solution, that doesn't seem great because I, I'm i not on the Christian Wood train with you quite yet. I mean... That's fine. I, I just don't think you can trust him in the playoffs. I think he's just too raw, but I, I do think you could... That's why I said at least in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, right, right, right. But, like, I, you know, they could go small ball five with Ilyasova or either Nico or even Giannis, 
So if that's going to push them away from going small ball and they're going to have a permanent Pau Gasol backup at the five, that makes me not like it so much. But I, right. I'm going to give Bud the benefit of the doubt. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing he's done through the first 63 games of the season to make me think he's going to be like so rigid all of a sudden now that he has Pau Gasol. I, I think it's more they're looking ahead to the playoffs and they're saying, all right, look at Toronto has Marcus all now as a backup center. Philly has Boban as a backup center. The Buck or the Celtics have uh, Aaron Baines as a backup center. Like we don't have a big bruising burly center who can match up with those guys well with all due respect to Brooke Lopez. Like I, those guys mm-hmm. could have their way just physically dominating our front court. Maybe Pau gives us that guy. Yeah, he's I mean, he was never a great defender. Now, as you said, he is basically a walking corpse out there. So teams will attack him defensively, but against a Boban or against an Aaron Baines, maybe he gives them 10 minutes off the bench, and that's all they need. Like, maybe they're, that's, that, that's the difference between winning and losing a playoff game. Yeah. I mean, I get that, and I think you're right on that. It's, for me, it was more so Milwaukee, I think, could use a smidge more talent. Mm-hmm. Especially because I think they they're the ones that are gonna, gonna come out of the East, mm-hmm. so I don't want to build this team up for them being competitive in the Eastern Conference. I want to build them up as being competitive in the finals. Yeah. Whereas I think every roster roster spot, in some capacity, means a lot, mm-hmm. and where I'm just wondering how does Powell fit in. But again, just going back to his personality and. Yeah his ability to also read defenses when he's on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I think he can mentor not just Giannis, but everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's one of those guys who just has this ability of of even reaching point guards and going, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm looking at this angle over here if you swing it at this point. like He's incredibly smart. Right. So if he comes in in that capacity, and I'm also sure that Bud knows this. I mean, I'm not sitting here going, oh, what the hell is this? Like, Bud is going to play 27 <laughs> minutes a game. No, right. no, no. Obviously, he won't. But it's just a matter of now you have Pau Gasol. Now you need to understand what, what he can bring and what he can't bring. And then you need to calibrate it. Yeah. The cerebral aspect of it is that's a really great point. And also, I mean, as you said, he, he does have championship experience. I mean, he's won a couple of right. rings. And this Bucks locker room is still kind of wet behind the ears in terms of like George Hill I guess as at least made it to the finals but you know they a lot of the the core guys just don't have much meaningful playoff experience so bringing in a pow to tell you like this is kind of what to expect in each round as you advance like these are the things you need to prepare for it's only going to get harder every round that might help I mean that that again it it I don't. I just don't think people should look at this signing as like the Bucks are. Oh my God, the Bucks think they're gonna have to rely on Pau Gasol. They're screwed. I. I oh no no. Yeah, no. like I don't think he's gonna have much of a role. I, I think it's gonna be I, a I very very limited specialized role. I think there are right c- on the court. Right, right. On, yeah, right. exactly. I, I think there are certain matchups he might be able to help against, and if not, no harm, no foul. Like it. It, right. I'm sure they're bringing him in on minimum deal. Like it's not the end of the world if it just doesn't work out. But I, right. you know, what like what's the harm in seeing what he can bring on the court and then yeah, off the court he's going to be a great locker room guy and as you said, the the passing instincts 
in particular should be invaluable in this bud system. Mm. I also realized something that I hadn't really thought about before. Nikola Mirotic is on the roster now as well. Mm-hmm. Those two have a chemistry from their Chicago days. Oh, they joined yeah. the team in the same year, and you know Mirotic has a Spanish passport. Like there's there's a real connection there. So this would also speed up Nico's, I, I guess, open mindedness and and you know the comfort you know comfortable level. Uh, you know it's just him being able to adjust to this team, having a guy like Pau he can lean on when necessary. Yeah. I think that would help a little bit. And plus, you know, he's it's another Euro. Like, there is that sense, right? <laughs> right. That helps because Giannis can lean into it. Like, oh, you know what? I'm, you know, I, I know what you're going through because I'm going through it now and you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ilya Sova, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, that, there are a lot of guys here. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big international presence on the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't think anyone should be opposed to the signing necessarily it's just like we'll have to see how he actually fits but i don't know i i think it, it can't hurt as long as they don't overuse him right we'll see have we not spent too much time talking about the addition of pagasol who's ultimately going to play like 27 regular season minutes <laughs> right probably so Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clear. At ACE, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our 5-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like ACE, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. ACE is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details. So, yeah. Let's move on. Neither one of us went to the Sloan Conference because we don't have that much money to just throw away. Yeah. Just, let's just say it like right. it is. That is exactly the reason. Because yep. we're broke. But we did, however, you know, there people have been tweeting quotes from the conference and there have been some stories about it. So we want to take a few minutes to discuss at least some of the more interesting NBA-related takeaways. Um, the first that I saw was Adam Silver had a appearance there. I think he did like a one-on-one with Bill Simmons. Um, and the really interesting thought part that I that caught my eye at least was, you know, he he said. When he meets with players, what surprises that what surprises him is that they're truly unhappy. A yeah. lot of these men are generally unhappy. Um, he was saying, like, if you're around a team in this day and age, they're always headphones on. The players are isolated. They have their heads down. Uh, one player said, from the time I get on the plane to when I show up at the arena in the game, I won't see a single person. There was a deep sadness around him. So I think a lot of this is not necessarily just limited to NBA players, but I wanted to get your thoughts on like, you know, the NBA has 
made a big push in recent years to address players' mental health. Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan mm-hmm. have come out like within the last year or two and really brought that issue to the forefront. So what did you think about Silver you know, addressing this and saying, like, oh, I mean, that, that seems like a big issue if a lot of players are this unhappy? Absolutely. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily only, an, or not necessarily, I know it's not just an NBA issue. Like, he's pointing towards something that is a problem not just for athletes, but for virtually everyone. Like, th- this has been a problem for especially teenagers and, and, and just get young people who have grown up in front of a screen, right? Yeah. Because we have seen studies, you know, showing that a lot of young kids are are less able to communicate on a social level because they've just stuck their heads into their phones for for a long time. And given the way that the NBA is structured with lots of traveling and, you know, a lot of road games, seeing the same guys over and over again, like a lot of them just needs to like decompress in this way. And that means an iPad or an iPhone or some sort of device or just headphones and, and, you know, closing themselves off. Mm -hmm. I mean, should we do anything about this? Obviously, but what's the right approach? Because you also don't want to. These are grown men. Like we, right. you can't go in and say, "Well, you need to converse with your <laughs> fellow man right. for a, you know X amount of minutes per flight." Like you cannot do that. It's just that's not how this works. And I think that's that. I've seen a lot of reactions to this on social media. Like, oh, you know, cry me a river. They're earning this and this. And that. Right. Yeah. All that just needs to go away. That's got nothing to do with it. Like. Well, the irony of that coming out on social media when Adam Silver is saying, I think a lot of it is a direct result of social media. It's like, thank you for proving his point. Exactly. Well, and and the thing is, social media, like, yes, it can have certain advantages. Mm -hmm. It really can. It doesn't have to be like a cesspool of negativity. Right. But it can often be that. And and just look, NBA players, despite what they say publicly, like, I don't read articles. I don't do this and this and that. They do, right. and you know, I, I for the few who may not, they are so high up on the pecking order, like LeBron, mm-hmm. because you have at least one thousand articles coming out about you every single day. Oh, for sure. You cannot read everyone, and you, you know, it's it's impossible for him to just lay out the land and go, "Oh, I've read five hundred articles, <laughs> and now <laughs> I'm gonna go take a take a dump, and I'm gonna return and read the re- remaining five hundred. Like right. you cannot do that. So he's beyond all that. Mm-hmm. But for the guys that are like rotation players, and maybe someone you know posts a piece about, hey, what, what about Tony Snell? And Tony is like, hey, oh, that's got my name on it. I'm gonna read it. Of course right. they are. Right. It's just, and if it's not something that is very polite, and if it's something that's pretty depressing to read, like maybe someone is struggling a lot, maybe someone has had an issue that's become wildly overblown in the media, whatever, like. This can have a drastic effect psychologically on a lot of players, just as it would if a, you know, an average suburban dad from Ohio is, you know, does something wrong that is, or, or is, finds himself in a situation like maybe he has a mental breakdown at a Dairy Queen or whatever. <laughs> Someone posts it on, you know, records it and posts it on social media. Now his life is messed up for like two and a half months, and that he goes into a deep funk because of it. Like. Everything needs to be somehow recorded and analyzed and thrown to bits. And I, I get why players and the average person in public can have too much of all this. Like, yeah, the NPA should absolutely try to do something about it, but it should be in correlation with the NBPA. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it speaks to two separate issues, and one of them is societal, and then one of them is 
directly related to the NBA. And the, the societal one is, as you and Adam Silver said, a lot of this, I'm sure, is just due to both social media and, like, the whole embrace debate culture that we've had that's, like, come right. out in the last 10 or 15 years where just, like, hot takes are so prolific that you can't have reasoned conversations anymore. You can't say, you know, oh, well, LeBron James is, you know, he, he's doing this, this, and this. Well, he's struggling in this and this. It's like, no, LeBron James sucks. He's never going to be the GOAT. Kobe's the GOAT. LeBron James doesn't play defense. It's like, okay, but that's not totally true. But th- those voices get magnified the most. Like the success right. of Skip Bayless proves that you could LeBron's a choker he's never had a game-winning shot in his life like you know every time LeBron James struggles you have Skip Bayless tweeting some nonsense and as you said like these guys like Kevin Durant has openly I mean he literally called out Ethan Sherwood Strauss the other week about an article suggesting he like the Warriors think he's gonna leave it wasn't even like I think he's gonna leave it's like this is the notion around the, the team is that you know, he's, he, he seems to have his eyes on New York this summer. And, like, yeah. Ethan presented that in a very well-reasoned manner. And KD, like, threw a hissy fit in a press conference. And so part of it, I and then, like, if you look at, from KD's perspective, KD, I think, in particular, is, you know, he looks just viscerally unhappy a lot of the time. And, right. you know, you, you see this guy and you're like, you're back-to-back finals MVP. You've won two rings. You're probably going to win a third this year. How can you be this unhappy? But then you look at... I mean, I can't imagine what his social media mentions are. Like, just thousands of people tweeting snake icons at him for the last three years. You know, thousands of people saying, like, your accomplishments don't matter because you joined this super team. But it's not just social media, man. It's like in the arenas as well. I mean... The thing, the vitriol he meets yeah. like from people screaming, you know, dumb stuff at him. Like this is a podcast. You, obviously, we can't curse on this one anymore. But mm-hmm. this is where I really wish I could, because some of the things you even hear on telecasts once oh, in a yeah. while that gets picked up picked up by fans, it is it is disgusting. Right. Like you have racial things as well thrown yeah. into the mixture all the time. Like, of course, uh, if you are around like you know twenty nine arenas. And you hear dumb stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and you hear racism, and you hear, you know, your mom's name yeah. or whatever being thrown at you yeah. during just because you're taking a three throw. Right. I get it. I get why you get into a like a, a mental funk. I get why you know you're not happy. Then you know two MVPs, finals MVPs, two rings. What does that matter if if you feel that you're constantly being attacked? Right. And your family is being attacked and. And nothing that you do is ever good enough because you'll you'll just get crapped on even more. Right. If, look, he if he's gonna win the third ring, which he probably will, win the third Finals MVP again. His mention, as you just alluded to, that's gonna be a dumpster fire. <laughs> oh, you just won your third MVP, but you know, riding the, the coattails of Steph, right. whatever. Right. And and I think it's the lack of facts. Mm-hmm. That is really the big problem here. Yeah. Because now, like, I'm going to go a little bit political again, but like, thanks to your precedent, this whole fake news slash alternative facts <laughs> angle right. 
is really used in sports as well. Yeah. And it, it is disgusting, and it's a problem. And it's, you know, a player can go out and he can score 35 points. You know he can score 35. Like, that's that's a fact. He scored 35 points. Mm-hmm. And he can be efficient. Like, he can he could have shot, he could have gotten those 35 points on, you know, 15 of 22 field goal shooting. All right. That Then one guy, one guy on Twitter could go, well, the seven shots that he did miss, or they suggest this huge problem. Here's my 1,700 worst dissertation on it. All right. Here's my 13-tweet thread. Right, exactly. Based on, you know, seven missed shot attempts or whatever. Right. It's just, oh, you have to constantly battle the margins right. is kind of my point. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And, and I, like, my whole point here is I think just all of us need to do better. We have to remember that, yes, these guys are athletes and, yes, these guys are making millions of dollars. But that doesn't mean we should go, like, anyone who tags an athlete on Twitter to Ugh. say mean stuff about them or like tag someone else and like tattles you know if someone like tweets a stat mm-hmm. and then someone else adds the athlete's tag and like what do you think cj mccollum like get mm-hmm. out of here with that just don't i know don't i, I know because yes i know because ben simmons was kind of upset at me oh, because yeah. one person did that <laughs> yes correct thank you michael from denmark correct thank you yeah so Number one is just we all need to be better. That that includes us. Like I made a joke last night that Mike Scott is Mike Muscala, but good. Like that was not a super nice thing to say. You know, it comes in the heat of the moment. I I we all need to do better. But right, there's also a level of fa- of fair criticism though. Like right. you can say, oh, like, if a guy has shot poorly, like yeah, he's been off his game for a few game, for, yeah. for, you know, for for a few nights. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. You just don't rip him a new one. Or just say he's terrible, he's trash, he should be in China, he has no place in the NBA. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And I get that sometimes, you know, we as media members make those jokes, and I, we need to stop. We yeah. really need to stop. So, you know what, let's start with us, Brian. I, I agree. If, if we if we go down that road and make China jokes, and Lord knows I've made my fair share of them. <laughs> right. Like, let's have our followers here, our listeners, just... At us yeah. and go, oh, yeah. that, that's, that's a dollar. It- Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance in, in, <laughs> in the, the swear, swear jar, jar yeah. <laughs> but then i mean so i think there's that component and then i think there's also i do think the rings or bust culture has led to Ugh. a lot of unhappiness too because again you look at a guy like kd where he has now won two rings and he's about to win a third ring and now people are saying well it doesn't matter because you joined steph and all of these are like illegitimate rings like what we need to stop moving the goalposts here like, if you mm-hmm. win a ring, it's an accomplishment no matter what. I mean, I, I right. understand that, that the Warriors, because of a once-in-a-lifetime set of circumstances, 
it feels like they've cheapened the last few seasons. But I also do think if Durant does leave this summer, that's going to level the playing field significantly. I think there are going to be more contenders. Like right now, it feels like there are three or four serious contenders for the ring this year. May, yeah. I, you, you could maybe talk me into five, but it's like Golden State, Milwaukee, and then some combination of Denver, Mil, uh, Toronto, Boston, Philly. That's about it. Right, right. Next year, I think there's going to be a lot more, so I, I think that will help with the, well, this whole season doesn't matter. It, you know, the, the Golden State's going to win. No one's going to beat them, whatever. But also, I mean, like, I, Yaron Weitzman... Uh, wrote a feature for Bleacher Report on Friday about Dame Lillard, where because you know Dame came out recently and said like, I, I, winning a ring is super important. It's why I wake up every day, but there are some things that are more important, and like that's right. B- basically, like that's why I'm going to stay in Portland. Like I'm not going to leave and join a super team. And he would not be the first player to say that, and then in two years actually go and leave and join a super team. So I don't want to prematurely praise dame and say he's like definitely going to be a portland lifer but i really i mean reading that piece i did really respect the sentiment of yeah man like sometimes you really like even with the kings and boogie cousins like he genuinely seemed to love the sacramento community like he did a lot of off-court good in sacramento and i think he's going as far as i know he still is involved with the sacramento community in his off time so I think it's a testament to these guys where when they get so attached to a, a community with their off-court charity work in particular, like, that's great. I don't, I don't think we should the, – the whole rings or bus culture, like, I get it. If you want to be an all-time great, if you want to replace MJ or Kareem or Wilt or whoever, you're going to have to win multiple rings. Sure. But, like, also players can have great careers and not win a ring. Charles Barkley did not win a ring. Steve Nash did not win a ring. Like they, they are still all time greats. It's, it's one okay. is more respected than the other. I'll just <laughs> right, but you know, like you could still have a, a legendary Hall of Fame career and not win a ring. Like it's okay if you're okay if you're just... in that case. Why, why have you been on my ass for saying that Kemba should stick in Charlotte then? Because <laughs> there's a difference between being remotely competitive. And at least having a chance to win a ring and being... But if that's his preference, though, if he wants to be a hoarded for life... Right. I'm not going to criticize any player for their choice. Like, that's... If he wants to stay in Charlotte, that's great. I hope he does. Like, I I would send a great message to small market teams that you can retain your star even if you don't build well around them. Anthony Davis is not necessarily the rule. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <clears throat> obviously this is this is a huge, huge subject, and yeah. and while we can comment on it, you know, I I don't think that we are, you know, the right people to really dig into it. Like I think you need to have, you know, psychologists and and people who study like the mind and isolation, mm-hmm. isolated behavior, and all that. I think I think those are the people we really need to to look at for for guidance and and assistance in this field. I mean, obviously, we understand both as people and, and, and us, you know, I, we kid around and say we're old, but, you know, we're, you're 30, I'm 32, we're still considered young. Right. I'm 31. I'm old. Oh, you're 31. Old oh, that's now. right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that changes everything. Yeah. That does change everything. No, but, but I mean, we still have, you know, one foot in, in the, the, 
in inside the door of the young kids, right? We right. still know what's going on. Yeah. And and I have a son who's seven, so he's right at that age. And yes, I mean, that damn screen that does attract a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Bruce, you know, five minutes, you, you got to go to bed. Oh, can I play for five minutes? Are you kidding me? Like, really? No, you don't need a screen for five minutes. Yeah. And it's it's something that is happening because especially for the NBA context, because you, there's a lot of traveling and there's a lot of hate <laughs> from a lot of people from the outside. So you need to disengage. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think your teammates necessarily are going to be the kind of people who just, you know, constantly pat you on your back because they have their issues too. They have fire mentions too. Right. All of them. Like you have 15 athletes on a plane, all of whom are getting crapped on by their social <laughs> in their social media feed. Right. Right. I think disengage is a really good word. Because, you know, Silver said, like, I guess he quoted an Isaiah Thomas old quote, the championships are won on the bus. And yeah, sure. In the 80s and 90s, when they didn't have cell phones and they didn't have the internet and there wasn't a 24-hour cable news network devoted to embracing debate and creating topics to, you know, banter about, then... Hashtag content. Right. Then, yeah, you you would hear it from fans in the arena... And you would hear it from mm. newspapers and then like local news if you watched it. But it was much easier to disengage back then. And right. then also, as you said, like there is you're winning on the bus because you don't have, you know, an iPad or an iPhone or whatever with headphones. And sure, like that's all part of it. Like, I mean, technology and the Internet caused a giant paradigm shift, not just in basketball, obviously, but the entire world and sorting, you know, we're all still trying to figure out how to sort through that the best we can. It's all like still a learning experience for everyone, not just basketball players. But I I do think, you know, that, that the whole like old timer perspective, uh, that, that quote just drove me crazy. It's like, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's a yellow, yellow, the cloud kind of moment. It really was. Yeah. And and that's a problem. I, I think, I think the core you know point of it though is still accurate. It's just presented really badly, right, right? Because what 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 is basically being said is you need camaraderie. Yeah, and that's that is totally fair. And look, if a team reacts to this whole thing by posting one final video on social media of them just burning their all their phones, like putting their <laughs> phones in a pile and burning it, yeah. I don't ca- I don't care what team it is. They will win the championship within three years. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's because not the that, Sixers. I, no Embiid on social media would be devastating. Oh, you you know what? That would be an easy trade off, though. Yeah, yeah. But but, but Embiid Embiid is actually an interesting case study because he's one of those guys who embraces it and actually right. when when someone hates at him, he laughs it off. Yeah, or he just burns but them right the, back. Or he burns them right back, but. He's an interesting case study because he's not typical. He's atypical in that sense. He's yeah. got a person. He, he's got a personality that allows him this, frankly, this luxury uh, of being able to just you know burn people that way <laughs> and not take things seriously. Right. But a lot of people are just aren't wired that way. So when you have fans going, well, why can't you just take a joke like Joel Embiid can? Because that dude is not Joel Embiid. That's a right. different player. That's right. a, that's a guy who is wired differently. This guy may not have had anything that remote is remotely similar to Joel's upbringing, you know, cult, idea of culture, idea of societal understandings. Like, everything we do 
it is our own thing. We're all wired so individually, mm-hmm. and and trying to make rules and you know, basically make this sweeping net that that covers everyone is impossible. Like people who suffer with depressions, like you, if you have two people who suffer with a de- suffer at depressions, you you can't compare them. Right. They are entirely unique, right? Because the the motivations of them can come from different places. It can have different effects on you. It can have different triggers. Yeah. It, there are so many layers to it, and yet people are going, "Oh, you have a depression. Go see, you know, go see a psychologist." Like it's simple. No, yeah. it's not. It's <laughs> right. Go, go, it, get on this medicine. You'll be fine. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's everything needs to be handled individually, and right. social media, for all it is, it's still this. It's it's not that individually because it's it's you still have a lot of these these guys or or girls i I just suspect mostly guys who are very who feel very threatened by professional athletes for some reason and has this need of just constantly poking at them and telling them they're dumb or they're they're bad players or whatever yeah and that that same message could go to joel Embiid, who can laugh it off or it could go to kevin durant who may take it extremely personal right and create burner accounts too and create i actually don't you know what I'm gonna say it. I I I don't mind. We make jokes about it, yeah. but I honestly, when I when I really like search in my own feelings, I kind of get it. Yeah, I get it. I don't really have a problem with it. I think we should stop joking about it because that's his reaction. That right. is his way of defending himself. Yeah, I don't even think he needs burner accounts. He just go right back at people on his main account. I guess branding wise, it probably doesn't help. But needs- that, that's yeah, and that's a problem, yeah. right? They. Nike would be upset or whatever, yeah, but yeah, yes, yeah. he should absolutely have that you know capability because yeah. you are entitled to defend yourself. You sure. are entitled to, to to just you know respect your own name and and have some have some own have some pride. Yeah, I mean you can't take that away. We should really have CJ McCollum on this podcast. I will do everything I can to get CJ McCollum on this because I want to learn more about like their reactions. Yeah. Well, and and Bede is an interesting one, too, because even him, it's not like he's not reading stuff. Like, as you said before, I mean, all these guys do read stuff about them. Like, the whole Shirley Temple thing came from the Brian Geltziler article a couple of years ago in Sports Illustrated. Where, right. you know, like, that that was just, like, the most damning report of Joel Embiid's time. Like, he doesn't take things seriously. All he does is drink Shirley Temples. And then for the next year... Like he would, Embiid would just tag everything with like, guess it was all the Shirley Temples. That's why I played so well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or like even earlier this year when they beat the Timberwolves, he's like, well, glad I got to play with the third stringers. Like these are these guys. Are, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. These guys are all very much aware of what's being said and what's going on. So I mean, it's it's just really tricky, and I don't envy Adam Silver because as you said, there's no way. There's no, like, one-size-fits-all solution here, and there's no way to, like, legislate. <laughs> I mean, if I was an NBA player, I'd never check my mentions. Just absolutely in no way that column would be turned off on Twitter. I would get no notifications. It would suck, but, like, I I don't know. I, I just can't even imagine. I just feel yeah, like your you know what? would melt. That's, yeah, but, but there's a different problem here. And I know we're running pretty long on this issue, but honestly, I I, I don't care. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you you can shut off your notifications, but then you have guys coming up to you. Yeah, hey, yeah, you yeah. you heard? Did you see what Skip Bayless said? Right. Or you have reporters going, "Well, how would you respond to Skip Bayless saying all this?" Yeah, and, you know, yeah. 
And the guy will go, well, what did he say? Yeah. I can't respond to something I didn't see. You didn't see it? Well, here, let me stick this camera, uh, this phone up in your face so you can see the video that you're trying to actively avoid. <laughs> right. Here and, you go. And I mean, that speaks to like Kyrie. A lot of Kyrie's unhappiness, too, does seemingly stem from, you know, even going back to the All-Star video a few weeks ago where he was just talking to KD and everyone, like, assumed because he right. held two fingers up. He's saying, two max slots to New York. He's like, no, man, just, I'm talking to my friend. Just piss off. Like, right. why can't I just talk to my friend in a hallway? He knows yeah. it's going to be interpreted that way, which sucks, and he knows he's going to get questions about it, which sucks, and it's... Again, it's like I I don't envy anyone in this process. A reporter would not be doing their job if they don't ask about it. But I understand the frustration on the side of the NBA players too. And here's the thing: we also need because I, I want to save you know or save I I, I want to be able to also present you know one perspective from the writer's point of view as well here because a lot of these writers do not want to ask these questions. Right. Like a lot of them are being told right. by their editors or their outlets that if you don't ask this question, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Like you you have to ask these questions or otherwise we're going to replace you with someone who will. So a lot of these writers are looking at it through, through the spectrum of going, oh, so my choice here is asking this question that I really hate to ask uh, or be unemployed. <laughs> right. That's a tough one too. Like we, and then you have a lot of people going, "Hey, you know, media members should just be quiet." Well, it's such a difficult position for all of them, mm-hmm. for media, for players, for teams, team P, team, you know, the PR people on teams as well. My goodness, like, yeah, they have it rough. Yeah, so it's just not an optimal situation. Here's what I actually would love. I would love for the NBPA, the NBA, and like the the American. I don't know if you have this like American Journalist Foundation or society. There, or I mean, association. there's like a I just, pro basketball writer association, if nothing else. That that would be very optimal in this case. Yeah. Yes, had those three parties meet during the course of summer mm. and actually lay out all these issues. Yeah, because I'm sure that a lot of these writers would immediately go, "Hey, you know what? I actually hate asking these questions." Right. right. And and then try to figure out something at work. I I get that the whole clicks angle is what drives everything, but yeah. if you can come up with something right. that would also serve as a reminder that, hey, everyone, not just NBA players, but everyone needs to be... Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Includes in-store clearance. Kind towards everyone. Like, yeah. let's try to clean up the social media uh, garbage that's all around us. That's actually a perfect seg into another topic that came up at Sloan. Uh, Genie Bus, which I 
Yes. Very funny. Oh. Uh, but she was saying there's always a love-hate relationship with the media when you're on this side of the business. The media, for example, there is a lot of hype and things written about a potential trade leading into the trade deadline. All of it false, but it got a lot of coverage. There is damage that's done to the team chemistry when players have to read about all of this. That is, to me, it's irresponsible and frustrating because it puts feelings that your players have at risk and you can't avoid it. It's part of the landscape that we deal with. Uh, (laughs) As you said earlier... We should ban fake news, but she said the biggest challenge for us is the fake news about how we are supposedly trading our roster for a certain player, which is completely not true, but those stories leak out and hurt our young players. So, I mean, I, I, part of this is, first of all, part of it is BS, because there is no way the Lakers were not leaking anything during those discussions. Correct. So it's hypocritical of Jeannie Buss to come out and try to play the fake news card when you were very actively involved in it. Maybe not her personally, but someone in the Lakers organization was. Like, right. The details of all the different trade offers and, oh, Dell Demps isn't calling us back. Well, who's the one making those calls? Like, who's the one leaking that if one party is literally not answering the phone? It's the Lakers. Right. But I, I think, to your point, it's tricky because... The NBA has really turned into a 365-day a year kind of league where all of the player movement in particular often drives more interest than what's going on on the court, especially in the last couple of years thanks to the Warriors. It's more interesting Mm -hmm. to think of, oh, okay, well, where are these guys going to sign this summer? Where is Which guys are going to get traded at the trade deadline or even in July or ahead of the draft? Because, like, how are we going to reshuffle these teams – you know, right. In past years, how are we going to reshuffle them to take on the Warriors? This summer, it's how are how is the league going to get reshuffled and who's going to come out looking good? Like where this Anthony Davis thing isn't going away. Where is Anthony Davis going to go? And so, yes, that stuff does destabilize a locker room. We're seeing it with the Lakers. There are other, the Lakers have other issues, but since the Anthony Davis stuff come, came out, they've been horrendous. And they just lost mm. to a 12-win Suns team last night. You can't and it te- may be affecting Boston as well. Yeah, like you can't tell me it's having no effect on these players. I get the whole like right. be professional thing, but when you find out your general manager, your team president, your star player is pissed off at you and think and is like trying to actively get rid of you, there's no way there isn't going to be some sort of lingering resentment there. Of course. Well, oh, again, it's so difficult because obviously we're not inside an organization right to to know all the intricacies but but yes i mean i think an nba organization is trying to be run as similar as every corporation really because every corporation wants to have this this sense of deity over them that we can do no wrong everything that happens is perfect and wonderful and fantastic and perfect colored and multi-layered and yada 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 like every company that that meets you know controversy immediately tries to cover it up or, you know, sweep it under the rug and find someone else, something else to differ, to, to, to focus on, um, just to, to kind of like move past it and, and continue this, this display of perfection all the time. Like, NBA teams are imperfect. NBA players are imperfect. Fans are imperfect. Media is imperfect. Like, we're all faulty beings, and that's perfectly fine. That's part of the human culture. And I think now we're seeing this this kind of angle where 
we are actively going after teams that are presenting themselves as perfect, which is Genie Buzz is kind of, that's what she's trying to do here. Right. Oh, we did nothing. Yeah, right. We're perfect. We've done absolutely nothing. So when she does that, that's going to have a negative effect because that's obvi- obviously BS. So you're, you're having this whole counterpoint or the counter you know, army of people going, well, that's clearly BS. So now we're going to devote a lot of columns and a lot of media space to call you out on that BS. And that's just going to turn into her responding to that. Then the media is going to respond to that. Then you get find a third party to ask who's got some comments. And then before you know it, that's been a, in, in the news cycle for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So, like, what what's to be done? Right. I have no... I don't have the answer for that. But I, it's it's problematic. I mean, the, the obvious solution is just don't leak. Just, like... There should, if you really wanted to nix all of the chemistry, yes. potential chemistry issues, you get all thirty teams in a room, you warn them. Maybe the NBA like puts in fines, and says if if For we leak. find out you leaked, you get fined X amount of money or you risk a draft pick. But at the same time, it's not always the teams doing it; it's the agents a lot of the times. So I don't know right. if you can. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's a way that you can completely cut out leaks. And then at certain times, it helps a team to leak. If you leak an offer, right. you're, there's, a re, there's always a reason for a leak, whether it's an agent or a team. And if it's right. a trade, and it's if you're a team leaking a trade offer, you're saying, okay, you know, like for the Lakers, let's say the Lakers did leak, or the Pelicans did leak the Lakers offer. The Pelicans are then saying, all right, Boston, this is what the Lakers mm-hmm. are offering this summer. Tatum needs to be on the table. Because we turned down their whole crew of young players. Like, we had a very good offer on the table, but we are holding out for you. So, like, you know, that's their the motivation on the Pelican side. Or when an agent right. leaks a contract offer, leaks that this player is getting, you know, interest from five teams then in free agency, then it's like, oh, crap, all of the teams that are actually in on him are like, oh, maybe we have to up our bid a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it almost seems like the, the the limitations that you have as an NBA team because you know there are tampering fines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It, it it's actually what it, it hurts them additionally, like because you have to be extra careful and you have to like beat around the bush and dance around a subject or whatever. Right. I, I I'm looking at you know football, you know, my football, yeah. soccer, <laughs> um, and in, in that world it's very different. Like you have managers who can go out and talk about you know a player on a different team mm-hmm. and talk about how much they actually want to acquire this guy in some capacity, buy him, or whatever. And because it's been open for years and years and years, to some a lot of players understand like the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, sure, once in a while you do hear about you know oh I wish my manager hadn't talked about this guy who plays my position, but it's become so, such an open thing that. It's really not as big of an issue as it is in the NBA because it's almost like, hey, if I say this, it's going to have you know all types of ramifications. Right. And because it's illegal, if I break this thing, I will have you know 150 cameras and microphones in my face within two hours. Mm-hmm. Whereas if a manager say, uh, you know, I I want this guy for during the the transfer window in the summer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think part of it is just the the fact that like in basketball, 
just by virtue of only having five players on the court at one time, a star yeah. player makes such a big difference. Whereas, you know, I, the only thing that I can think of comparable is like quarterback in American football. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. If there is a soccer position that, you know, that you, you if you get a star guy that it single handedly changes your franchise. Like, yes, if you if you go after Cristiano Ronaldo or something or Lionel Messi, then yes, you will. You know, right. you, that that will change things. But I think superstars in basketball in particular just have more power because they are so enormously influential. Like before this season, right. if you had LeBron James on your team, not only were you going to make the playoffs, but you were likely going to go to the finals. Like what other sport or position, I guess, like if you are the Patriots and you have Tom Brady, you are likely to go deep into the playoffs and if not to the Super Bowl. But you know, like the Phillies right. just signed Bryce Harper, but it's still not, oh, well, now the Phillies are going to win the World Series. It's like, oh, are they even favorites to win their own division? Like, he's a great player. He just signed a record-setting contract. But he, by virtue of how his sport is played versus basketball, he's just not going to have as much of an impact as a LeBron James or as a Kevin Durant right. if he leaves and goes to the Knicks this summer. Right, and that's an interesting point because that obviously trickles down to towards how you communicate with the media and all that because you have in in football at least you know eleven players for your team on the field, mm-hmm. um, twenty two total, which you know compared to ten on a basketball court, it's way more intimate there mm-hmm. than it is on a soccer field. Um, I, I get that point, I really do. I still think we need to somehow be able to open certain things up because it's not rocket science yeah. that a bad team wants better players. Right. Or, so or that every team wants Kevin Durant or LeBron James. Exactly. So I, I, I have this thing where it's, it's, it's dumb to sensationalize someone going out and saying, you know, yes, I would like a superstar. Mm-hmm. Why is that a sensation? It, it's not. It's raw logic. Yeah. Obviously... Because, like you just said, a superstar is so influential, you would want a superstar on your team so you can win basketball games. It's all very, very simple. Right. But if you say that, it's like, oh, gasp, let's talk about this for the next two weeks right. and produce 15,000 articles about it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I understand the frustration, especially from small market teams in particular, if they feel like right. they're always just an uphill battle against a team like the Lakers where... You know, they, they seemingly just get their pick of the litter. But before LeBron, they really hadn't in recent years. And the Knicks have been striking out in free agency for a while now, too. I mean, it's not, it's just, it comes down to being a well-run team. Like Giannis has given no indication that he wants to leave Milwaukee, which is a small market team, because they have done well to build around him. Build around your stars well, and they presumably will not want to leave and if they do want to leave you had seven eight nine years with them like you can't control mm-hmm. their entire career which is also i mean that's that is fair it, it is entirely fair to give players more power over their future it, right? i think the problem comes with you know anthony day was on the what, what's that show called on hbo oh yeah yeah the the shop I the bar yeah. <clears throat> sh- yeah i yeah. couldn't remember if it's called the shop at the barbershop yeah. whatever but like when he sits there and says, you know, I'm the CEO yeah. of my own business. Yeah. And I, look, I, I look at that in two ways. Like one, yes, you, you are right. You are the CEO of your own brand. That is absolutely accurate. But at the same time, on the flip side, you're also under contract. Right, right. You signed so, a five-year deal. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, so there are just two sides to the story, and I think it's impossible to attack like the Anthony Davis example or the Anthony Davis story without having the ability to, to bring some nuance into it. Yeah. That is very much necessary to really portray that whole situation properly. Right. Like, he did things wrong in this whole process. The Pelicans did things wrong in this whole process. The Lakers did things wrong throughout the, this whole process. Like, it, no one comes out of this clean. Yeah. And that's all right, because it's a messy situation. It's all good, but we can't have this world where... You know, you just become stubborn and go, well, I'm on Team AD, who's done nothing wrong. <laughs> right. like, yes, he certainly did something wrong. He 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 wanted out and not really honored his contract. I mean, yes, I, we get the trade request, but, like, why make it public? Yeah. Talk to your team. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so dumb to take sides, be, be, you know, based off of soul, raw loyalty. Like, right. look at the facts. Look at all the minutiae. Look at all the intricacies of these things and then make a you know, an informed decision on where you stand on certain things, like, like you would anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only other thing that I saw that caught my eye, at least from Sloan, was yeah. Josh Harris, the Sixers owner. They were asking him what it would mean if right right now. I mean, the Celtics and the Sixers are in the four or five spot. I'd, I continue to believe the Sixers are going to move up to three just because the Indiana Pacers have a brutal March schedule. But right now, if the playoffs started today, the Celtics and Sixers would be playing in the first round. So they asked him, what would it mean if if the Sixers fell to Boston in the first round in April? And he replied, it would be problematic, very problematic. It would not be what we're playing for. We'd be unhappy. I'd be unhappy. The city would be unhappy. We're going to make... To work hard to make sure that doesn't happen. We have enough talent on our roster that if we play the way we're capable of playing, we can beat any team in the East. Mort, am I wrong to be nervous about that quote, particularly with regard to Brett Brown's future? Well, I mean, look, you read it to me before we started recording. Um, I, 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 I have to admit, I did not think about Brett Brown when you read that quote to me. Okay. So you may have put a little bit too much into it. However... However, if it turns out that you're right and they do end up firing Brett Brown for losing round one or whatever, if mm-hmm, that happens, mm-hmm. then I think you're entirely in the right in being very upset because that would be just horrific. Yeah. And then you would be in a situation where a guy who's been a very good head coach and who's frankly shown a lot of patience with this team, mm-hmm. um, you, you would just be doing him wrong. On all kinds of levels, like right. then, and you would also put the, the entire team at a disadvantage because then you have a new coach coming in. That means a new offense, a new system overall. Like, hello, Tobias. Hello, Jimmy. Your recent acquisitions, and we just had you learn a new system, but we fired our head coach. So here you go. You know, learn another one. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, not great. Yeah, I, I think not only. Would I mean, not only do I think Brett just deserves to be in this role another year, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, but yes, it would destabilize your organization right ahead of a free agency when you only have four players under contract. That right. is dumb. That's just, it, it seems like the players still like Brett, still respect him, still connect with him. It would be extremely dumb to use. Like he, he came out the other day and he said he felt like he's coached three different teams this year, like pre-Jimmy trade post-Jimmy trade, and now post-Tobias trade. And I think there's something to that. So you yes. you have, I mean, 
you Toby and Bobby right. trade. To- Thank you right. very much. And Mike Scott after last night. Um, but you gave him 25 or so games to have... I mean, you flipped half of the rotation. Now, Jonathan Simmons and James Ennis aren't very good right now, and they aren't doing much, but you know, you, you got rid of a lot of rotation players over the past six months or so. You're giving him 25 games before the playoffs start to cobble together a team capable of beating Milwaukee and Toronto, both of whom are ahead of the Sixers in the standings and who have been together for longer just by virtue of not blowing up their entire team at the trade deadline. It worked for the Cavs last year. They made it to the finals, even though they also took a stick of dynamite to their roster, but they had LeBron James. It's, yep. I, I just don't think it would be fair, unless like just Brett Brown got absolutely pantsed in the playoffs and the co- players came out and said, like, this guy's a joke. We can't win with him, which I don't think is going to happen. No, I don't think so either. I just think it would be... It, I'm not saying he should be the... I don't necessarily think he should be the coach forever. He's not Greg Popovich on that level. But right, like, let's give him a chance to develop some chemistry with these players. Of and course. If, and if they re-sign Jimmy and they re-sign Toby and they're looking at a massive luxury tax bill in a year or two and they get off to a slow start next year, then it might become more of a conversation. But... I, mm-hmm. I just I feel like the Sixers owners in general just you know they they talked when they hired Hanky about having all this patience and then at every f and step I feel like they just get cold feet right when they need to really have resolve and I'm worried that this is going to be the next example of that but maybe I'm just reading too much into that quote I don't know. Well, let, let's let's hope you are. Yeah. I'll say as much yeah. because Brett Brown. Let's be honest here. If they fire Brett Brown, you would have at least twenty squats standing right there and taking meetings immediately going so should we fire whoever's on our sidelines right now and and go for Brett right he's he's he also arrives from the Spurs coaching right. tree right and i think his patience with with the whole process and his patience with Joel and B in particular like having one of your franchise cornerstones miss the first two seasons of his career that i mean if if Brett Brown did not go home multiple times those two, during those two years going, just, what am I doing right True, now? Right. Like, just being frustrated about that whole thing. Right. You know, uh, of course he did. And now everything seems to be paying off. They're winning. Mm-hmm. He's, he's you know, he's basically living the life that he was waiting to live mm-hmm. for, what, three, four seasons? Uh, three, three and change. Three and a, yeah. Okay, three and change. But I... He he was very loyal to that organization all the way through. Still is right. So and, and he's he's a perfectly fine coach who is uh, you know from all accounts the, the players love him mm-hmm. and his sets are working because otherwise you wouldn't have an MVP candidate on your team. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that w- that would be horrible. On the bright side, if they do fire him, at least he'll get to coach LeBron James next year. Oh. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and then then <clears throat> LeBron will fire him midway through the next season. Right, it's exactly. Just, I'm just waiting for LeBron to go all in on the player coach. Yeah, like be, it, oh, be the first player coach since whoever was the last one. If it wasn't prohibited in the CBA, I think he would have already done it. Oh, and has that yeah. that been prohibited? Ah, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Oh yeah, but if it, oh if it wasn't, I I think there's no question he would be player coach right yeah. now. Yeah. All right, Ward, I think that's a good place to wrap up. 
So thank you, everyone, for listening. Please follow us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Enjoy Bulls Hawks Part 2. Thank you, Brian. I'm hoping for another quadruple overtime. <laughs> At least this one will end at a reasonable hour for you. Yes. I, I, I will say as much. My son was very intrigued watching the first one. He wanted to stay up, and I actually promised him that I would, I would try to wake him. Oh no! And then he didn't. He, I couldn't. I couldn't wake him up for the for the first uh, for the first game. And as I was sitting there during the middle of the third overtime, I had a feeling he would be so pissed at me. <laughs> but he woke up. <laughs> Thankfully, that wasn't the case because he had gotten some new toys, which took most of his attention. Okay. But still, but still, uh, uh, that was that. That was one of those games that I, I really wish. Uh, he would have stayed up for. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, this one goes into quintuple overtime and he can enjoy it. Oh, I would love it. And by the way, Zach Levine is apparently playing because why save him after playing, what, 54 minutes? (laughs) Amazing. All right. Enjoy, Bart. You too, man. It's the Flashback Sale at Mattress Firm. We're celebrating the year we were founded with a special price from 1986. A flashback price of $169 on a new Sleepy's Queen mattress. Plus, get up to $400 off throwback deals on beds. And Wednesday through Sunday, take home a free adjustable base with a purchase of just $599. But hurry in, these awesome blasts from the past savings won't last forever. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply, valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.